Hello, and welcome to Nice Jewish Fangirls, presented by JewishCoffeeHouse.com. Nice Jewish Fangirls is a podcast where three Orthodox women discuss all of the wonderfully nerdy things that we are obsessed with. In case you were wondering where the music was, we are recording this episode and releasing this episode during the three-week period of mourning uh, in the summer. So, from the, what is it, the 17th of Tammuz to the... Um, Ninth of all. Ninth of all. That's, yes, that's, it's right in the name. (laughs) Go, Michal. Um, Yeah, so uh, many, many Jews don't listen to music during this time, so we are refraining from putting music on the podcast. Anyway, down to normal business. I'm your host. My name is Michal Schick, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Tamar Herman. Hello. And Essam Rosenberg. Hi. So yeah, we are back to discuss all of our wonderful nerdy topics. Today we have a super happy conversation. Um, We're going to be talking about America in fiction and how uh, we cope with dark times using fiction. Are those two things related? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, But first, as always, we're going to get into our current obsessions. Um, I'll go first just because this is, I was literally just talking about this with someone and I need to word vomit a little bit about it. Um, the Handmaid's Tale season two is really, really good. <laughs> Shouldn't you be talking about this during the main discussion? Oh, yes, I could do Does that. The Handmaid's Tale take place in America? Yeah, yes. well, yeah. Okay, I haven't I haven't watched or read the, read the book, so I yeah. wasn't sure if it was just, a, you know, a generic dystopian future or specifically American dystopia. No, yeah, uh, dang, good, good founding call fathers. <laughs> I read the book and I saw one episode. I know that much. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a real. So I'll talk just about about the experience of it uh, as opposed to what it means right now. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a brilliant show. It's very rough to watch. It's not easy. Um, when people tell me that they haven't watched The Handmaid's Tale, I'm like, why haven't you? I understand completely. Uh, I really do. But it is very good if you can if you can stomach it. And um, I guess as a as a tiny other. Uh, obsession just to supplement that i'm i'm also obsessed with um a great courses plus course called the other side of history (laughs) which is done by this cute british man professor who is talking about what it was like to be a a normal person so not a king or a queen or a noble in ancient times and right now i'm on what it was like to be an egyptian and uh i'm digging it I'm digging it. I also feel so nerdy. It's like hilarious. I just got finished with the um, <laughs> with the uh, Greek myth, so I yeah, that that was also very good. Uh, SM, how about you? <laughs> what are your current obsessions right now? Um, I have like a million obsessions because we took a prolonged break and I got obsessed with a million things in the meantime. Um, but I'm going. To, I'm going to go with the one that I was planning to do if we had recorded the podcast a couple of weeks ago and that is um lingering obsessions are more than welcome (laughs) that is the tv show chuck uh i love um, chuck which i i had watched it before um and i don't know i just found it on prime again uh because it used to be on netflix and then it wasn't on netflix anymore and that then i found it on amazon prime um and I started rewatching it and it just, it's just, it's a feel good show. And like its flaws are so right there on the surface that it's like, you know, you can't ignore the fact that it's, there's so much 
unbelievable sexism and just objectification of all of the female characters and it's just you know it's just cartoonish in how sexist some of it is um but if you look you know you look past that everything else is really 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 fun and i just i absolutely love zachary levi as chuck the main character um it's like i have no idea what Zachary Levi is like as a person, but I absolutely love, love, love Chuck Bartowski. And I would just like, I'm going to, like, if I ever meet Zachary Levi, I'm going to be just so disappointed that he's not Chuck Bartowski because I just really love him and he doesn't exist. Um, and yeah, and it has like guest stars from like the entire nerd universe. And um, it's a uh, co stars uh, Adam Baldwin, who is. Uh, Jane from Firefly, as most nerds will know him, um, <laughs> he plays um, a uh, kind of like an extreme caricature of himself, uh, which is he's like if you follow him on Twitter, he's he's a uh, he's he's, he's a into politics. He's very conservative, and, like, the character on the show is very conservative, like, worships Ronald Reagan, like, has a picture of him on his desk and everything, um, and there's like at one point, you know, Chuck is being overwhelmed by things. Everything in Chuck's life is very overwhelming because he just got sucked into like international spy intrigue without any, you know, any clue and any interest in doing any of this. So he's always overwhelmed and things are always going wrong. And he's just, and like his privacy is constantly being violated and everything is going crazy because he's in the spy world. And so at one point he's like, "Is nothing sacred," and uh, <laughs> Adam Baldwin's character is like, "Only the right to bear arms," you know. Hmm. And it's just <laughs> like, he's like a cartoon version of a conservative, um, which I found. Yeah, I liked him a lot yeah, better than like, I like actual Adam Baldwin, though. <laughs> yeah, no. When when someone is like that cartoonish, they're easier to like than somebody that you take seriously. <laughs> with all with all respect and, uh, to our conservative listeners obviously he's he's pretty pretty a lot on twitter <laughs> he follows my brother though so does he? <laughs> of course he does <laughs> <laughs> yes all the cool people follow my brother yeah um yeah so chuck is just it's and it's it's a it's a really good show it's ever evolving like you know the the characters like genuinely you know, grow and change, and um, their haircuts gradually get better <laughs> as the show goes on. <laughs> um, but uh, also, they just they they do grow. Like there's there's one character who, like for the first couple seasons, he's like unbearable. Like he's he's the worst kind of pathetic man-child dude. He's such a creep, and he's gross, and you just kind of put up with him because he's Chuck's best friend. And then you know as as the seasons go on, he finally starts to grow up. And like, by the end, he's like one of my favorites, but um, yeah, you have to kind of just like white knuckle through <laughs> the first couple seasons with him. And yeah, it's just, it's a very fun, silly spy show that is like very aware that it is a spy show. And, you know, it's breaks the fourth wall occasionally, you know, to point out the ridiculousness of the situations that they're in. And there's a bit of slapstick comedy that's, you know, a little over the top sometimes, but also just very silly and very fun. And it's like when you're having a bad time and <laughs> you just want to, you know, to relax before you go to bed. It's, it was a really good nighttime bedtime show. 
um, for, awesome. I don't know, a few weeks. <laughs> it's four <laughs> seasons and I went through it in a few weeks. <laughs> awesome. And uh, Tamar, how about you? What is your current obsession? Uh, so I was going to go with Brooklyn Nine-Nine because I've been watching that, but I'm going to wait till I finish so it. So have I. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I really catching like up it. on the season. It's so good. No, I'm like still in the middle of season two, oh, but it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I just started. That's around where I am. So, I like yeah. It, but my obsession is my obsession is the Good Places Twitter account. Um, uh-huh. Clearly, I really miss the Good Place, but their Twitter account is tiding me over a little bit. Like they're they're really funny. They're really into like all the memes. So like when I see a meme going around on Twitter, like the next day they'll do something. So like I don't know. Have you guys seen the, the like Alexis play Despacito one? Yes, I don't think I saw the origin of it, though, so it's kind of been, like, a little it, confusing. It, so, anyway, so they, whatever, it doesn't matter if you know the meme or you don't, but it's, like, a meme where, like, someone says, XYZ is so sad, Alexis played Despacito, and, like, it, it was primarily Alexis played Despacito, but then they did it, this is so sad, Janet play, and then they used the clip of bad Janet playing uh-huh. She Hate Me by Pedal Mud and Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, so it was just funny. And, like, they did a really funny one yesterday for 4th of July, which is, you know, the scene where um, Eleanor asks uh, Janet for something shiny for Jason to play with. So that's what they used for, like, a sparkler for 4th of July. I just, like, whoever's doing their Twitter <laughs> account is really funny. And, like, I think it's perfect. Also, they interact with a lot of fans. Like, I know I've tweeted at them a few times and they've responded. Um, and I've seen, like, a lot of people who interact with them. It's just, like, whoever's doing their Twitter, like, good job. But it, it's making me happy while I wait for the next season. I wonder whose job that is. Like, that's very... Do they collaborate it on it? Or? No, it's probably just a social media person. Yeah, that's probably yeah, true. Or an intern. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's it. Also, can I, can I like... Well, it... Well, can it, I hype myself up for a minute? Because we haven't had an episode so, come out. Oh, yeah. Hype. I'm in a Netflix episode for the Yay! series Explained, so if you guys want to go watch the K-pop episode of Vox is Explained on Netflix, please go watch that and let me know if you like it. Ooh, I'm, I'm ooh, an expert. Ooh. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. Um, also, if person who runs the uh, Good Place social media feed is listening and you want to come on the podcast, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right, cool. So let's move on to our main topic. Uh, we do happen to be recording this on July 5th, which, uh, as all of our American listeners will know, is the day after July 4th, which is Independence Day. So today is the day when everybody is like, what day is it? Yesterday felt like Sunday. I don't know what day it is. And I'm like, welcome to life as an Orthodox Jew. Congratulations. <laughs> so I guess... To, to not uh, take this in an entirely negative um, direction, um, do you guys have any examples of America as portrayed in fiction, either, you know, specifically nerdy fiction or just pop culture, um, that you like, that you, like, look to for inspiration or um, that you thought was particularly good? The West Wing is mm. a classic. Um, so I'm, I was trying to think if it's the entire America, if it's America or if it's just the entire world. Um, but in the Borkosigan saga, like the, we hear a lot about South America more than North America. So that's what I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, but it's, I feel it like it seems Brazil like it's a lot. Yeah, because okay, because uh, of tongue. But um, like, 
it doesn't seem like the world sucks that badly on Earth, just in other countries. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's like, like Earth is like a seat of civilization, but it's not like involved in military conflicts due to its, mm. you know, fairly remote location in the galaxy. Like it's not a, a desirable, you know, target. It doesn't have a lot of wormholes near it. So it's just kind of a peaceful, nice place. It's kind of like what Paris is nowadays, you know, like cultural center of the past, but not like super a world power anymore. But like still has, you know, importance in the universe because of its historiosity and stuff. And and it's a very popular trade route, but like, sorry, no, it's a popular like locate destination, like vacation destination, but isn't a popular trade Yeah, like trade a tourist trap. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, no, that that is heartening. Star Trek is similar, right? Like everything's kind of pretty chill well in like... star trek the world is like we you know we you know we perfected ourselves and now we are moving out into the rest of oh, the world and then, but then every time you go back there they earth sucks i don't know everybody sucks on so earth. i'm actually i just pulled up the fandom wiki for Vokasian saga and it seems like most of the u.s and most of europe is underwater yeah, New York City is behind dikes. Lake Los Angeles is visible by a submarine tour. Yeah, so my, my example is um, A League of Their Own, funnily enough. <laughs> like, that, yeah. that's a movie that, that movie. yeah, it kind of, obviously, like, there's so many problems, like, that are portrayed in that movie, you know? And, like, it's during World War II, and, like, everything's segregated, and everybody's making fun of these ladies and, and everything. But like that to me is something that kind of shows American potential, you know, like something we, we could have done really well. Um, and maybe we can get back there again. But uh, on the other side, have the men all out of the picture though. Yeah. In order yeah. For anyone to let the women have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of all the men. Um, even you, Tom Hanks, sorry. You, you got Problem go. solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can keep Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have to say though, like I went to Cooperstown, um, a couple of years ago with my family and we were walking through the very small exhibit that they have there for the, um, double And, um, I heard a boy saying, why do girls need to play baseball? They can just play softball. And I was like. Was, Why do boys play baseball? I was they can so play angry. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it was as close as I've ever come to assaulting a child in public. Thankfully, that hasn't been an issue most of the time. But, uh, but yeah, that 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 time it was. Um, yeah. So, what do you guys think about American dystopia? Like, what what does that do for you? I mean, like, I the first thing that occurred to me, honestly. Um, I know we brought up the the Handmaid's Tale earlier, and I don't know why that didn't occur to me, but um, the Hunger Games for some reason. Yeah, that was the first one that came up to me, also. Yeah, right. Like that. That's a series that is very, um, not realistic per se, but but the idea of kind of I think the division of the districts is very kind of compelling in a certain way, and like it it, it is a because we are divided, right? Like we're divided by state you know, technically, we're divided by time zone, technically, we're also, you know, the Midwest, the, you know, the South, the, like, it makes sense to me, on a kind of a, a weird, quiet level that like some kind of division of that sort um, would happen. Um, hopefully, the Hunger Games wouldn't happen. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? 
So I haven't actually seen it, but just as you're talking about the Hunger Games, I'm like, have either of you guys watched the Purge series? No. I haven't watched them, but I've read a lot about them because they're fascinating. The and essentially, yeah, it's like the Hunger Games, but only once a year, and all law yeah. is, like, made illegal for 12... is made legal for 12 hours. So, like, the idea is that everyone just goes and kills each other, and the, the first movie's coming out, and... Apparently, it's, like, a whole... It started out as, like, a way to, like, get rid of, like, poor people, because classic America. Um, so, like, I feel like these are both very much ideas based around, like, America's, you know, like you were saying, the separations and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that was kind of... I think, personally, my favorite uh, portrayal of American dystopia is, um, I think, in... Uh, I think the series is called Legend. I think that's yes, also the first book yeah. in the series um, by Marie Lu, and in that series, um, the United States has essentially split in half, and the Western California side of the country is now um, like a tyrannical regime, um, and the main character is there. He's an he's a he's a kid. He's an he's also an, like the most famous outlaw, um, and he. Um, wreaks all kinds of havoc and causes all kinds of trouble for the government. Um, and he's trying to get um, to the west, to the eastern half of of America, which has been, you know, it's you know a better place and a you know more of a utopia, you know, the utopia, the you know the promised land that he just you know, striving to get to for the like at least the whole first book. And probably part of the second. I don't remember when he does get there. But finally, finally he gets there. And then it turns out that it's not the utopia that he was hoping for. Not um, so that much. his parents no. told him about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, you know, extreme pure capitalism. Where you have to pay for everything, including um, the police. Like, you can't, you know, it's how much justice can you afford, you know. And, and like, everything if you is can't kind of... pay for the police to come then you know then you know you're just screwed and everything um, is kind of and, run by corporation which is like particularly um kind of the the more that book has sat with me the more i've kind of thought about about that idea of like yeah you know it just felt it felt like you know a realistic possibility yeah i mean um, i just more so than like the hunger games <laughs> yeah I, I was just in seattle and we were talking to a cab driver about like where does bill gates live and he was like oh he lives in like you know, this city, at this place, uh, which basically Microsoft built. <laughs> and it's, like, basically Microsoft City. <laughs> and, like, they <laughs> got rid of all the homeless people. And they, like, either gave them jobs or got rid of them. I wasn't sure if that story ended well or badly. Um, but it was, like, oh, my God. Like, this could this could happen, you know? Like, as, as things... Like, you know, we have the Disney buyout of Fox that apparently is happening. Like, like... It's something that, you know, would be almost kind of more quintessentially American than, like, almost anything, I think, you know? <laughs> did either of yeah. you guys read... Did either of you guys read Among the Hidden when you were in school? Yes. Oh, yes. I, I actually didn't read it in school, but I knew a lot of people who did read it in school, and then we ended up getting, um, like, the entire series, and I read it, like, when I was in high school. So I can never finish the series, but I just remember thinking at the time, like, oh, this is interesting, and not realizing that it's, like, based off of China, but it doesn't seem like it would ever make sense in America nowadays, because 
we don't have an issue with overpopulation like in throughout America we have overpopulation in like cities but it seems like it wouldn't be something yeah, that well, we mostly have an issue of not um, you know reproducing at replacement level which is why we need immigrants but mostly like people don't want to have kids so so yeah so in the book yeah, I just, I don't know. This was just one that I always th- I thought of when I was younger as like, that's a weird future America that will never happen. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that Although series, it turns out that... Mm, that made a big impact on me. That made a big impact on me, that series, because I think like, I think it was maybe one of the first kind of dystopian series I read. Um, I read it when I was pretty young. And like, it was just, yeah, that idea of like kind of government control and like, coming into your life in that way had I don't think ever really occurred to me and that obviously is something that you know the the U.S. is so like we're 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 so we're so back and forth on that right like we want Mm -hmm. all these we want all these rights and then we want all this control and then we want all these rights and like you know it depends where you are on on what spectrum as to like what you believe constitutes like too much control um you know obviously not not to not to state a a, a, like political philosophy here because um i don't know that 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 would be an issue for sm's brother not me but um you know (laughs) i i think it's a it's a powerful idea like the 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 difference between these dystopias are is kind of often like where the control is right like in the hunger games um it's what your society makes and what you like and and how you participate in the hunger games you know and then in others it's you know how much you can eat or like in uh i mean mad max is set in australia but like that's like water is severely controlled and in fury road and yeah i don't know it's um yeah there was like a dystopia prompt that i saw one time it's just like you know it is x years in the future and you fill in the number of years you know and like something is outlawed and the government controls something, you know? And like, so you fill in those blanks with different things and then you end up with your dystopian society and you build a story around that. Mm -hmm. But like, so do you guys think, you know, obviously to pull back the veil a little bit, um, we're obviously talking about this because there have been a lot of political um, changes slash scary things in the news that aren't upheavals. Yeah. Um, both in the U.S. and and in the world at large, um, Poland. And, yeah, oh, God, don't yeah. Good job, Poland. <laughs> Keep it up. Um, yeah, no, I I think like I totally just lost my train of thought. Um, so I mean, do you guys think that that dystopia requires government though? Because like. I'm thinking of, or or would that be post-apocalyptic rather? Like a post. I'm I'm thinking of the road, which for some stupid reason I read the road by Cormac McCarthy, and I've never been the same. Um, and like that, obviously, is a is a well. I get yeah. I guess that's more post-apocalyptic than a uh, dystopian novel. So do you think dystopia requires government and and that presence of government that we're kind of very aware of nowadays? So I was thinking that my my the next dystopia that came to mind that I was thinking of mentioning, um, I feel like there is a less of a strong government role in it. Um, it's called the first book in the series was called Bumped by Megan McCafferty, 
and mm. it's about um have you read it i i've read bits of it that was that was yeah, so big when i was like in uh the literary agency that did a lot of YA. so i read a little bit of it ah yeah it was it's it's a dystopia but it's like the lightest fluffiest dystopia you're ever going to read um it's like told from the perspective of two teenage girls um and they grew up in different parts of the society but the what's being controlled um is not real it's not really controlled by the government per se um one of the girls grew up in a very religious community and it's controlled you know by like you know the religion that she was born into um and the other one is in like the rest the regular you know, society, which the problem facing the society is that a virus hit um, the world, essentially, and her, and, and like, every everyone over the age of, say, I don't remember. It was, like, it was, 20 or something. It was 17, yeah. 18, it was, like, late teens, um, is now sterile, and no one can reproduce except for teenagers. Um, and so teenage girls are basically like raised from birth you know to see that their like their main value is going to be their ability to bear children and basically the, it's a uh, flip on the whole like anti-teen pregnancy thing it's like no 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 get pregnant <laughs> like please yes, get pregnant like get pregnant get pregnant but also you know the elite ones are not supposed to get pregnant until they have scored their like contraception contract you, you know <laughs> or like their their uh yeah their reproduction contract or whatever it is and like families who want a kid you know will bid on these girls you know to uh to be to have their child um and like you know the smarter you are and the more athletic you are you know the the more your contract is going to be worth um and that's like you know your financial value and that's your going to be you know your like basic you know achievement in life um and so that's more of a, like a another again a, like a capitalist dystopia but not so much a governmental one but more of an economic one um and yeah, it's a good book. You should read it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole, like, you know, once once you bring religion into it, like, that's kind of where we, we get into the Handmaid's Tale type of um, of world, you know. I, I actually feel like religious dystopias kind of went out of style for a while. Like, dystopia was huge, especially in, in YA fiction. Um, like, it, it kind of peaked, I think, like, during, it was really, like, during the Bush years. Um, and I'll be actually very, very interested to see if there's a revival of dystopian fiction. I haven't really observed it yet, but, um, but in the, when did the Hunger Games come out? The Hunger Games came out when I was in college. So I feel like that was after Bush. Oh, no, so six, probably it ended in like 2000. I mean, I'm literally online right now. I can just check <laughs> <laughs> and Wikipedia, the Hunger Games. The first thing Wikipedia wanted me to do was The Handmaid's Tale. Um, it's not like <laughs> it I'm looking it's that list. up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Hunger Games came out in... Uh... No, I don't want the movie. Ah, uh, Wikipedia. Count. Yeah, I don't know if, like, The Hunger Games was, like, the culmination of this wave of dystopia, or if it was, like, you know, 
right in the middle and like helped set the trend. So I oh, don't really know. Yeah, it started in 2000. It came out, it's the first book in Obama. 2008. Obama is 2008, yeah. Right. So, so then it was, it was written during Obama. Exactly. During Bush yeah, it was era. written during the Bush years, but yeah. it became popular during Obama. Yeah. And then, you know, the books, uh, I'm sorry, the, you know, Divergent came out after that. Um, Divergent's yeah. not what I would call great, but, you know, <laughs> it does. It but you don't think those out. were all probably already, like, commissioned during the Bush era? Possibly, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know a little bit more about the background of The Hunger Games, and I, like, apparently she was writing it, like, for a very long time. Um, but I think that, you know, it definitely, like, there was the selection series, there were a whole, you know, bumped, obviously, like, the, it was, like, the market was kind of lousy with it. Um, and it's really interesting that, like, it was kind of identified as a fad and then kind of stopped, like, almost very abruptly. Yeah, there was also, um, what was it, uh, Scott Westerfeld's Ugly s- mm-hmm. series. Yeah, that was even earlier, I think, that was, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that, that's been around for a while. Yeah. Um, but so going back to the idea of religion, I I do think like a lot of those books, a lot of the YA books anyway that I read didn't didn't really deal with um, religion very much. Um, I wonder if people thought like, oh, that's too Handmaid's Tale, like because that had that ground was tread so like distinctly by Margaret Atwood that like it kind of begs comparison. And now that's kind of that's actually like coming back. Um, I I was sent at least one book. Um, where there was a religious, uh, like a religious bent to, um, to the dystopian element. This book was like, oh, women are only allowed to speak a hundred words a day or something. And I was like, that's too convoluted. Don't, (laughs) yeah, they're wearing like a counter on their wrists and then they get shocked. And it it was weird. Um, I didn't read the whole thing. Like, because women don't get silenced enough. I, well, yeah. So that was the whole thing. I'm like, oh, women are like biblically supposed to be silent. Um, but to turn back to the to the handmaid's tale like it's actually been really interesting to look at it you know obviously as a religious person um and the interesting thing about the handmaid's tale is that they jettison a lot of the new testament they are much more like obviously but i think the whole point of the religion is that it's nonsense like they just are picking and choosing they're they're making whatever they want but like they quote the old testament a lot they actually quoted um Aisha's Chayil, uh, the woman of valor from from what is that from Kohelas or that was from Mishlei Mishlei Mishlei, um yeah Proverbs uh, they they mistranslated it though actually <laughs> the guy was oh, like great. so oh. does our scroll so really yeah well, wait our scroll tends to translate things metaphorically when the literal translations are inconvenient well just like the yeah. first the first part of it is like you know the a woman of valor who who can find a woman of valor her value is more precious than pearls right and on the show they were like rubies and i was like i'm pretty sure that's it's pearls right. Panini, it's <laughs> pearls like that's yeah the whole yeah um but like you know and, and they're ha- they'll have scenes of like the ceremony which i won't go into if there are sensitive ears listening to uh but uh you know, it's 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 not a great thing when they're quoting, you know, the the psukim of, um, you know, Rachel and Leah and like, oh, and 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 Bilha will be a handmaid unto her and she will give birth upon her knees and you know, and it's it's very interesting to kind of experience that as a religious person who is like obviously deeply opposed to the dystopia that they're making in The Handmaid's Tale, you know. Um, and is mm-hmm. nervous about certain things and like our reality that I mean, I, not 
want to state for the record, I do not believe that we're going to end up in a Handmaid's Tale-esque reality. However, um, given that uh, inspiration that we can look to, um, it there are, you know, are, are certain things that, that do make you a bit uneasy, um, or make me a bit uneasy, I should say. I mean, it depends if you interpret the Bible as a cautionary tale or as, like, an example to live up to. Right. <laughs> but we do both, don't we? I mean, like, you know... Yeah. It just depends where you draw your lines. Because right. some people are like, this is the part that I want to keep. And you're like, hell no. Mm-hmm. But so, you know... Can the I... Whole... Oh. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, go. No, I, was, I really wasn't going to... I was just going to ramble, really. I have, like, a rant about The Handmaid's Tale and just, like, the Bible in America and, like, American media and fiction and whatever, everything. Just, like, it seems like every single time... People want to, like, quote something that will stop other people from doing something or will stop or will, like, show, like, a moral, some sort of moral rule lately that they always go to the Old Testament. I'm like, you did away with this. Like, you yeah, said this yeah, doesn't You don't really believe matter. in the Old Testament. <laughs> you said that everything Jesus said was, like, okay, bye. Like, why do why do you have any right? Like, that was, that's actually... Not the most infuriating part of Handmaid's Tale for me, because, like, I did enjoy reading the book for as much as you can enjoy it. But it, it always frustrated me, like, and, okay, fine, that's the new founding fathers, so maybe, like, they, whatever. But, like, any time anybody's, like, on the on, on the Christian right or anything is just, like, oh, and in, like, Leviticus, I'm just, like, like you don't care about that. Like, <laughs> sorry, it's so infuriating, and, like, I really feel, and this is, this is like, just, it's, it's obviously not, like, it's, it's, it's not, uh, but it just feels like it's such, like, cultural appropriation. Like, like, we are actively here, and you're literally saying, no, that what you think isn't the right interpretation. This is, even though you totally did away with that interpretation thousands of years ago. Like, it just drives me crazy. Like, mm-hmm. there, that's my rant. And Handmaid's Tale seems to, like, play it, play that, the, the, the thing that bothers me the most up on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, it I doesn't, think... it's, it's all, it's all, like old testament none of it's new testament right yeah and it's they kind of quote the new testament when they want like when they're having like a softer moment (laughs) so like they'll have the women quote like piously quote the new testament or something like that and then the men will be like you know saith the lord blah 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 um but yeah no it, it is it is i think that's a really good point and that is something also that that resonates you know i think margaret atwood has has a a statement that like you know, nothing that happened in The Handmaid's Tale hasn't happened in reality. Like, she, she did research or something. I'm a little skeptical of that um, claim, to be honest. But I think that, like, that idea of, you know, to bring it back to government, of, like, the, the, the pressures exerted, you know, from wherever that pressure is, um, you know, be it religion or be it capitalism or, or whatever. <laughs> Maybe capitalism is religion. I didn't say that. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it makes for really in, increasingly unnerving storytelling. Like, basically, I've found myself thinking back to a lot, you know, obviously watching The Handmaid's Tale and thinking back to a lot of the stories um, that I have read and, like, kind of finding similarities. And it's, you know, I wish I wasn't. Um, I don't know that people in every generation didn't do that, you know. Um, 
Like, there is there is a definitely a thing that, like, every generation thinks that their generation is the worst, and, like, the problems they faced are the worst, and there's no way out of this, uh, you know. And then the younger generation comes along, and then we're like, we thought we were the worst? No, they're the worst. Exactly, right. <laughs> right, they're even worse than we were. Those millennials <laughs> don't use napkins anymore. <laughs> They don't have a fabric softener. The horror. <laughs> I actually just heard a really funny story that I was like, wow, this is really representative of our millennial generation that you guys would maybe appreciate. My friends, not one of my non-Jewish friends' friends is a wedding planner, right? And she had a, a from girl coming to this bridal shower. And she thought she was being so helpful and like saving the world by not getting the plastic cutlery with the food she ordered for her. So this girl oh, shows no. up at the... Yeah, the bridal shower. She's like, I can't, I can't eat this. I can't use the utensils. Like, so she, they found them. But like, I thought it was so, like, oh, you're trying to be so helpful to like the environment. You're not like taking into account like nuances of religion and stuff. So that's kind of how I feel about Handmaid's Tale and the missing the nuances of religion. But yeah, yeah okay, that's my rant. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. Ah. <sighs> I mean, listen, like, it, alternatively, like, the other thing I can think of is, like, Station Eleven, which, okay, takes place mostly in Canada, but, like, um, and that's, that's a flu that wipes everybody out. Uh, it's not really a dystopia, it's more post-apocalyptic. Well, well, I have another dystopia that we, I don't think we mentioned, was mm-hmm. Ender's Game. Oh, yes. I just read this for the first time recently, I had never read it when I was younger, um, and it creeped me out a lot, because I could definitely see that, like, this ends up happening I mean, not not that, but like something, like you know, drones are such a a big thing in warfare nowadays. Like you don't need people to actually be controlling like in person anymore. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely imagine a government, you know, tricking some some smart people to like kill their enemies. So it really creeped me out. And, and it was definitely very American to use children as, as like, tools of war. Like, yeah, the whole thing about... I recently read um, a, a book. Um, it was, like, I, I found it in my, the basement, and it had, like, such an incredibly campy cover, and it's called Virtual War. And it's it's basically, you know, weaponizing genetically engineered children to fight a virtual battle in order to determine who gets control of a particular island. Um and like that's just this the way that war is waged in the future is basically you ruin these poor children's lives to you know satisfy your need for whatever it is that you want mm. yeah no the i mean the the, the whole the company i i actually haven't read um ender's game either is religion a thing in in that world um, i don't remember there is religion, but it's not, like, most of the the stuff that happens, like, what how people are being controlled is kind of, like, the political and military needs. So, have, have you, I don't know if whoever's listening, like, this is a spoiler, but it's the book, and it's an old book, so, sorry. So, like, Ender, the main character, is manipulated because he's a strategical genius, and then his siblings are also really smart, and they're, um, and they're they allow themselves to become manipulated for political reasons. So there's like a lot going on. Like, I don't understand how any child's ever read this book, honestly. Like, I don't know how it's very, very intense. (laughs) Um, And like so much must pass over their heads. I don't remember 
what the deal is, why all three of those kids are so smart. Like, I don't remember if, like, there were, like, genetic modifications and, or something, or breeding or something. I don't remember. I think they they had, like, really smart parents who were, like, paired by the government. Oh, or, yeah. like, they were, they were intentionally put together because they would have intelligent offspring. Cool. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there is one character who is, like, um, I believe Muslim, um, but I don't yeah. remember like exactly is... how big a role that played. Um, he, it definitely played some some role in his upbringing. Like it does seem like now that you said it, yeah, I mean is... he he says salam <laughs> at one point. Well, I don't remember um, if it was his cultural background or his religious background, but I, I yeah. feel like it was more a cultural one. Yeah, I read the book. Oh, like the last I've read it. I think at least twice and I, I think like the last time I read it was like five six years ago but um it's a it's a good book and it's very fast reading and yeah definitely a lot went over my head when I was a kid <laughs> yeah that's a book I know it's it's kind of like flung around yeshivas because like there aren't a lot of girls in it I think and so it's kind of there's one girl I think yeah, there's a few girls. There's just one female main character, and she's definitely manipulated by everyone around her. Cool. <laughs> everybody, everyone is manipulated by everyone. Yeah, every, around every, them. every, all of the children are yeah. are taken advantage of. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the, that. Yeah, that's another dystopia that definitely. I don't know. I feel like I feel like we should like. I feel like there could be college courses now, like looking back and like taking all this into account obviously you know this this trend is a lot older than just like the 2000s yeah i mean like the givers givers yeah classic adult dystopian novel yeah oh that book that book shook me (laughs) that book i did not like that book (laughs) did anybody read the the sequels i like gathering blue better no i didn't i was like i was like i'm kind of i'm done (laughs) this is enough i think i I read gathering blue i i remember just not liking the whole thing like i might appreciate it more as a grown-up but i just didn't like it you know i don't know i didn't connect with any of the characters so much yeah it's it's i mean it's a tough world like it's you know and it's interesting now i'm, I'm actually this is maybe a separate train of thought but but i feel like kids maybe are more used to reading dystopias you know i didn't know the word dystopias when i was reading the giver you know that wasn't in my vocabulary well, i um, think that are in in my reading group when we read it like our first conversation that we had about it was about like this is a utopian society what does utopia mean <laughs> so like yeah we talked about utopia and dystopia like that yeah no the giver the giver is a great book um and then again another one that's sort of like in between right like it's there's it's not all bad like it's bad <laughs> don't get me wrong babies they kill babies, but like there's a world outside also, you know, and there's. But yeah. is there a world outside or is he hallucinating? I choose to believe that there's a world outside. <laughs> Wait, don't you think those are past memories? No. Oh, well, isn't, isn't that the point of it? I think you could say that there was there was past stuff, but is there still an outside world, or is the entire universe contained within their society? Well, I read the other and books, so I know that there are outside 
outside. Yeah. Yes. See, there is. <laughs> but does he but get it, to them? Yeah, but they're all kind of similar, different societies. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right, it's Lois. Like, fine. You know, it's like going to the to the United States, you know, and discovering that it's a pure capitalism society. Whatever. There's no. There is no promised land. Right. Cool. All right. Well, on that cheerful note. <laughs> that cheerful note. Um, actually, I do want to turn that for just a second. Do you guys think that there's like a market for not not utopian necessarily, but like positive future? stories because like a lot of the you know i mean the hunger games obviously famously ends in a quite depressing manner uh you know yeah what do you think um i I mean the west wing lasted for seven years yeah but it wasn't supposed to end the way it was they only had to give it a happy ending because like people needed it i don't know um i was thinking you know a really good like answer of why I think no a good example of why I think no is the good place because like it's la 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 super bright and happy but it's not actually like, everything's fine everything <laughs> is not fine <laughs> everything is uh, awesome I think that people do like their feel good stuff um, I mean like I guess there's like you know there's Star Trek and there's the Orville um, and there are like you know positive futures but i mean now we're you know everything tends to you know trend toward dark and gritty because people are like well there's no conflict so i can't come up with any stories um but i don't know i think that you know people do crave that stuff but it's difficult to write it because you have to be really creative with your conflict and your storylines so i would i would agree with you except that there's this is like super random and analytical and I'm, I'm possibly writing a piece on this but there is a lack of like rom-coms nowadays uh like people aren't interested in them there's no audience for them because people want either really like um i wouldn't say liberal but really like woke sitcoms or they want like super dramatic tv shows that say something about like society and rom-coms innately are kind of from like this weird place of like oh, boys are stupid and girls are smart and let idiotic boys fall in love and, like, fall in love with idiotic boys. So there's no real market for them anymore because, like, the audience is no longer okay with those tropes to some degree. And so, like, I don't, I don't, I think it's, in general, like, there's not really, like, rom-coms were such a, you know, a fluffy, like, industry. And now there's no audience for that fluffy industry anymore. Well, I just think that, you know, they need better fluff. <laughs> they I'm do saying. need better fluff. Yeah, but I don't, think that, I don't think that means that audiences have lost the taste for fluff. It just means that, you know, the fluff that we were getting wasn't good. No, I, um, I mean, I tend like, to, like, I sort of You know, actually... Thor Ragnarok is very, you know, light and fluffy and, you know. There was a surprise. How many people die in Thor Ragnarok? But... All of Asgard <laughs> dies in Thor Ragnarok. That's not fluffy. I know. How I know. Of Asgard I know dies. There was lots of stuff, but it was like you know. But like the reason it was such a success was because it was so so fun and silly, you know. Um, and like yeah, people people do want that. Um, they also you know they also sometimes want substance to go along with it or they'll, you know, sometimes they're, we're in the mood for something light and sometimes you're in the mood for something heavy, but I don't think that, you know, there's, it's inherently, you know, impossible to, you know, 
do feel good stuff. Well, I mean, I, I think that actually tomorrow is something that like I, I didn't notice on my own, but there was a trailer for a movie with Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves, like at a wedding and they like hate each other and then they fall in love. I don't remember what the movie is called. It's not out yet. Um, well, much ado about nothing. No, no, <laughs> similar. <laughs> <That was> a- <laughs> um, but I think that like, but but it's a rom com, and I was like, oh my god, they still make these? Like, whoa, I didn't even realize that. And then you know, apparently there's a there's one love um, Simon, love, love Simon, Simon. Was a yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's called a message movie because it's an LGBT story. Um, but I think that maybe gave but it an extra wrong. angle, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah but but there was also an, another netflix movie called like set it up or something that yeah my That's sister watched yeah she, and she loved it she's like no this is the greatest like yeah everyone's obsessed with it and i cannot wait to watch it but as you were as you were talking i was just sitting here thinking like well when did rom-coms die was that during obama when like we could freely think of like things without like worrying about everything going to hell and now that things are going to hell everybody needs these light-hearted movies again yeah i mean maybe i think mm-hmm. it has to do with you know people becoming more and more aware of you know the tropes of toxic masculinity um and you know being less interested in that i mean that's that's some of it for sure but like you know i wouldn't call like i don't i don't like these movies just my personal taste i don't like movies where people fall in love usually <laughs> but like you know, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail, like the Meg Ryan. It is terrible. Movies. Sleepless in Seattle is the worst movie yeah, in the it's, world. It's, it's about great. a stalker. It's yeah. about a stalker. But, but I wouldn't necessarily well, say like that those 90% are... like 90% of romantic comedies involve stalking, so... <laughs> no, that one is literally about a stalker. Like, yeah. there is mm-hmm. no way to say it. It is about a stalker. Yeah, no, it So is Twilight. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> likes Twilight for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it made a lot of money, so somebody liked it. I don't know. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I think that's actually a really interesting point. Like, I think I think it's it is. I am really interested to see where, like, where the rom com goes from here. Like, I love, we started dystopia, now we're talking about rom com, but I do think that there's a continuum there. And like, I I think that like you know, in terms of literature, I don't I don't think fluffy, you know, beach reads or whatever. I don't think those really ever went out of style. Um, like. In 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 uh, in YA, it's called contemporary. You know, if if it you know doesn't have to be sweet and light and fluffy, but it can be. Um, but yeah, no, like what what are what are rom coms going to be like the the age of woke? You know, like what is it in in the Me Too era? What do, what do rom coms do? I think that that'll be really get interesting. the women's balcony. We get movies like the women's balcony, which will have like a romantic comedy subplot, but like the overall plot will be something else. That was like a well, tiny not, subplot. Like that was like not, blink and you miss it. I don't know. It was really cute. <laughs> not to like bring everything back to like my obsession with all things Korea, but Korean TV shows, like Korean dramas, are dealing with this really sometimes terribly and sometimes really well. Of like what. Uh, like um almost every single very few korean tv shows are not like marketed as romantic shows like there's almost always a a key plot that's built around like the romance of two people and so some of them are really trying to figure out like how to make a tv show that's about romance but isn't you know falling to all these like tropes and, and and um like America has its own problems, but in Korea there's serious problems around like uh, feminism and sexism. Like there's this whole thing right now with spy cameras everywhere. It's really, really Ugh. freaking creepy. Yeah. 
If you go to Korea, cover your face anytime you're in a changing room or public bathroom. Yeah, it's that creepy. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah. So, like, a few shows have really kind of, like, tried to, to, to like, step this up by either, um, I think, the, my favorite ones. Usually they have, like, the main character who's, a like, you know, like, a bubbly girl who, like, attracts all the boys. And then she usually has, like, a, a best friend who's, like, a really fierce, like, career woman. And they kind of pin the two as two separate, like, women and they give them each relationships and they kind of show two different sorts of like modern like femininity and so like neither of them are like stupid little girls anymore but like one of them is you know like a really tough go-getter and the other one's kind of a, a softer like sort of modern woman and and sometimes it works and sometimes it's absolutely terrible um and a lot of it is about most of these shows are written by women that's like the interesting thing about Korean TV shows is that the most of the screenwriters are women. They're mostly directed by men. So you kind of have like some good like one liners that are really interesting while the whole plot is kind of iffy and like they'll direct the guys to do like terrible things like there's this whatever. I'm not going to get into it right now. But um, so like a lot of like a lot of shows nowadays are showing women in like power positions. So like there's a lot about like. Uh, there was one that's a popular one that just happened that was like a, a female judge and like I didn't watch it but I saw some clips and like essentially she gets yelled at one time for wearing too short of a skirt or something by like a more senior male judge and so the next day she shows up in like a uh, burka which is like super not PC but like it got the point across <laughs> to the Korean viewers who uh, like skirts are tend to be really short in Korea um, I don't know how to make this sound normal but like it's like cover up on top and then wear short skirts so when like yeah, yeah it's just I mean the style it's, it's it's I mean like because like cleavage is more revealing but skirts a lot of girls like tend to wear shorts under their skirts like I picked that up when I was there um and I became a lot more comfortable wearing short skirts like here like it's the mini skirt like it's so short and in Korea it's just like no it's a skirt like whatever it's no different than wearing jeans um so so like the criticism I think would have flown over people's head unless they made such a big like difference but so like things like that are kind of how they're trying to address like common perceptions of what a a a romantic tv show should be about so they kind of made the conflict in the show not about between the relationship from what i saw of the like clips i saw i didn't watch the whole show but it seemed like the the conflict wasn't necessarily about the relationship but about like the world around them and their relationship so that kind of seems that is how i've been seeing a lot of things dealing with it and like of course they do like ridiculous rom-commy things also but and some that are problematic but a lot of the times it seems more like the world around them like there's like this really i think i spoke about it once there's this funny one on netflix called strong woman bong soon and like she's like a four foot tall superhero and yeah and, i think like, you did mention she's that dealing, yeah. yeah and she like deals with a man child and literally her whole thing is is like stop thinking that i'm cute i'm strong and i know you're a wealthy man child but i don't need to pay attention to you because i'm strong and so like it's like they're kind of finding funny ways to deal with romantic like rom-com tropes and so if anybody wants recommendations hit me up cool (laughs) i think that's a good place to end it Uh, (laughs) let's talk about rom-coms instead of uh dystopia and and the future of our country um i'm waiting for my dystopian rom-coms they're coming eventually hey oh no (laughs) listen i mean have you seen warm bodies Yes, oh, I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, that's that's a good <laughs> well, I've one. Seen Shaun of the Dead. I guess that's similar. Yeah, that that is sort of. I mean, that's sort of making fun of the whole genre. Um, 
Well, I yeah, mean, honestly, warm, bodies. warm bodies is too a little bit, but um, warm I think bodies it goes is, more into the relationship. <laughs> yeah, warm bodies is really good. Shaun of the Dead is also one of my favorite favorite movies. Um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll do another one. Just like, just good stuff. <laughs> Things that are. <laughs> um, hey, the Princess Bride is a you know it's a fairy tale rom com satire. That's true. I would Princess love Bride like is everything. It's I would all love the genres. A fantasy, a fantasy rom-com. Like, yeah, set in the in a, in a real fantasy world, hardcore with like a whole <laughs> the whole thing. Like they have to defeat a dark lord, something like that, and then like yeah, also fantasy. I, I mean, feel also like I've definitely seen. I'm just trying to think of one of. I mean, uh, Gallivant like, was sort of like that. Oh, sort of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, more more genre bending in general, um, I think is is a good thing. But I think uh, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you have any thoughts and you would like to get in touch with us, please send us an email at nicejewishfangirls at gmail dot com. You can also find us on Twitter at jewishfangirls, and you can uh, find us on Facebook at nicejewishfangirls as well. Also, uh, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate your leaving us an iTunes review or at least just clicking that little five-star rating button because it is very, 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 very helpful to our tiny little niche podcast. Um, I have encouraged people to start other podcasts and they're like, it's too niche. And I'm like, I do a podcast for Orthodox Jewish female nerds. Beat that. I dare you. Um, and they can't usually. Um Okay, anyway, uh, Tamar, where can people find you on the internet if they would like to do so? Um, they could go watch the Netflix Explains K-pop episode, um, but they could also hit the me thumbnail, up on... right? You're like... Uh, yeah, someone <laughs> pointed that out to me. Like, they uploaded the video for... They uploaded the, the trailer for the series a few, like, days before they uploaded the first three episodes, and I was in the fourth episode, the K-pop one. It's the K-pop one, guys, don't worry. Um, and... Someone like texted me like, "You're in a thumbnail on Netflix." I was like, "What are you talking about?" Like, I didn't know how big of a role I would have in the episode. I we filmed for a little bit, and then like that was it. And I knew I was gonna be in it, but I didn't know if they were gonna cut me out entirely or something. And then she sent me a screenshot, and she's like, "You're you're the trailer for this entire series." And I was just like, "What are you talking about?" And I was, I was the little thumbnail. Like when you press play, that's my face. But yeah, if you want to find me otherwise, not on Netflix, but you should go watch it on Netflix. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Tamar Writes and read my rating at Billboard and Forbes. And I have one article on Entertainment Weekly, which was super, 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 super exciting. Yay. Awesome. And how about you, SM? Um, well, you can follow my public posts on Facebook and you can also find my uh, writing at Amazon.com. So it's Amazon dot com slash author slash sm rosenberg where i have some non-dystopian young adult uh wholesome fluffy feel-good short stories which if you you know want something to read i think a couple of them are available for 99 cents i don't make any money i was paid a flat fee by the publisher in order to publish these but um yeah they're they're good and you should read them <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And you can find me on Twitter at Ink as Rain. You can find my writing at hypeful.com. And uh, yeah, so I think that's going to do it for us this time. And if you guys also like, if you want to suggest episode topics, if you want to like question us about anything we've said, obviously we skirted a little bit 
close to the political line this week, like, push back, let us know, talk to us. Uh, we are very, very uh, excited to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so that will be all for this week. Live long and prosper, everyone. Bye. <laughs>